All right. Welcome today, all of you that are in the room and those of you that are joining us online, wherever you're at, maybe Yamhill County, Newburgh, Carlton. Whoop, whoop. Uh, just uh, if you're enjoying yourself in your living room and your jammies and watching this, nobody in this room has their jammies on. So we're good. We're good. But welcome today. We're so glad you are here. You know, if you're a leader of any type, or uh, whether a leader at work, a leader at home, uh, Jesus has four words for you. And these four words are so important. And when I follow these four words, I tend to do really well. But if I have to be honest, there's been times when I haven't followed these four words and I've lived to regret it or I've made things a little bit worse. But as Christ's followers in this very divided can I say, toxic culture we live in, these four words are going to mean a lot to us today. We are in this series, and this is the fourth installment of the series, You're Not Far, and what we're talking about really is a study in the book of Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those are the four gospels. We're talking about Mark. What is the book of Mark? Well, first of all, it's the story of Jesus of Nazareth, the story of Jesus, but it's Peter's story. Simon Peter, we all recognize that name. For 30 years after Jesus rose from the dead and went back to heaven, he went around and he told the story of Jesus. He told all the embarrassing moments because Peter had quite a few. And he told the story of his time and what he experienced with Jesus. Now, he had a partner, this young Greek boy named John Mark, a young man. He wasn't a boy, but he was a literate and a scribe. And so Peter dictated his story to Mark, and Mark would write down, and Mark didn't want to lose this story to to time and history because Peter found himself in Nero's Rome, and he was under arrest, and so Mark is dictating down, and Peter's like, here's the thing you need to know about my time with Jesus, about what it meant for Jesus to come, and Mark wasn't writing the Bible, get that right? He wasn't sitting there, let's put this in the Bible. He was writing the story, the first-hand account of Peter. And he smuggled that out through Alexandria, these letters, and distributed them to the church. And pretty soon, they began to be collected together with Paul's writing and became the New Testament, put together with the Old Testament. That's what we have. But right off the bat, Peter says, Mark, here's what this is all about. Mark 1.15. Jesus' message was this. The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. We started this series when Jesus called one of the leaders that was very close, and he says, you're close to the kingdom. And you know what the good news is? If you're close to the kingdom, the kingdom is close to you. That's what Jesus came to say. He came to say the kingdom of God, a new way of doing things, reversing the order of everything everyone's known. It's come near. Repent and believe the good news. The good news was that Jesus came and said, there's a whole new way of doing things. In the last couple messages, Pastor Clint did an incredible job this last week, so appreciate his ministry in communicating loophole Christianity. And we've been talking about how the religious leaders from Jerusalem had elevated their traditions above God's commandments. And so the Sabbath became more important than people. Keeping the rules became more important than relationship. And Jesus is leading his group of disciples, and as they're traveling, he's teaching them. Now, I want to show you that he takes his group 
to Caesarea Philippi. And if you see a map of Israel, you see that uh, Jesus' ministry is focused around here. Down south, you have Jerusalem where the temple is. But Jesus goes even beyond here to a place called Caesarea Philippi. And it's actually where the River Jordan starts. The Jordan River comes literally out of the ground, right, at Caesarea Philippi. And this, in Jesus' day, in the first century, it was a place of religious worship. And so they had every kind of temple. Like I said, it was kind of like, this town was kind of like modern apps. You know, you got a God, I got a God for that. You need a God of rain, I got a God for that. And there's this temple. You need a God for crops, I got a God for that. You got a God that'll take your kids, I got a God for that. And and that wasn't a good thing, okay? So... (laughs) And, you know, so they had all these, and Jesus is walking along. Just picture him with this group of disciples walking along, and here's temple after temple. Here's God after God. And Jesus asks a very important question to his followers. Who do you say that I am? Think about that context. He goes, well, there's God of this, and there's God of that, and there's God. But, hey, guys, who do you say that I am? And you might remember that Peter is the one that steps up and says, he makes this declaration, you are the Messiah, the Son of God. And Jesus accepts this description as the Messiah, and he announces that he's starting something completely new. What he announced, what we're talking about right now today, what he announced in Caesarea Philippi is why we're sitting here today. He said, let me tell you what, I'm putting together a new way of doing things. I'm going to build a church around the fact that I am the Son of God And the gates of hell are not going to stop it. COVID (laughs) is not going to stop it. Wearing an uncomfortable mask still ain't going to stop it. I can sit in my living room in my jammies and it ain't going to stop it. It's a new way of doing things. And Jesus is telling his group of followers that. And then they begin this journey south. They begin coming down and they're heading towards Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the center of the Jewish religion. The temple is there. The Jewish leaders that he's been really uh, calling to task and getting uh, a lot of trouble with, he's heading down here. And this is going to be an interesting journey. It's a very important journey. But Jesus begins to tell them in Mark chapter 8 what is ahead of them. And it says this, and he began to teach them as they're going to Jerusalem that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. So Peter's recounting. Jesus told us everything that was going to happen. But imagine how confusing this is. Because to his disciples, he's just announced, I'm doing things completely different. I'm starting things all over. I am the Messiah, the Son of God. I'm starting something completely new. But guess what? I'm out of here, and I'm going to leave it to you. Like, wait a minute. And so all the disciples look to Peter, because he's always the guy that got to say something. Like, Peter, you got to do something. And verse 32, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. (laughs) Think about that. Peter took him aside and, Jesus, settle down with all the death stuff. You're scaring the kids. Come on now. (laughs) You're making us nervous here. But when Jesus turned and looked at the disciples, he knew who had put Peter up to it. So he looks at them. And he rebuked Peter, and he says, get behind me, Satan. He said, you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. I'm going to do things differently. Just imagine the drama of this moment where Peter's trying to be protective and say, no, 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 that's not going to happen. And Jesus says, you've got to get rid of that kind of thinking. 
And to emphasize the point, he calls his disciples, again, they're traveling, and teachers of the day, when you had a, when you had a rabbi, you would follow behind him and listen as he teached. And he called the crowd. He said, everybody's got to hear this. And he calls the crowd and the disciples together and says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Jesus is saying, from now on, following me is going to cost you something. Jesus is saying, from now on, this is, we're playing with the big boys. It's going to cost you something. And what is figurative for us, this taking up your cross, many of you have ever said, well, that's just my cross, cross to bear. It was literal for this group of people, you see, because they had seen crucifixions. Some of them might have had friends that were killed by the Roman government in crucifixions. Crucifixions were horrible, horrific. And imagine this. Get rid of all the jewelry imagery you have now and how beautiful we think the cross is. At this point, the cross is nothing but a horrible way to die. And Jesus is telling them, unless you take up your cross and follow me. It's an extraordinary invitation to follow him, the Messiah. But it's really a declaration to die to who you are. But then he says, whoever wants to save their life will lose it. What is he saying? Everybody dies at something. No matter how healthy you are, no matter how good you take care of yourself, everybody's going to die sometime. But if you just live for yourself, he's saying, all you've got to show for when you die is just living for yourself. But here's the invitation. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. He was inviting them to live their life and lose it with a purpose, if you will, or he was really wanting them to live on purpose. I love being around people that know their purpose. And I'm telling you, in our culture today, if you don't understand your purpose and who you're following and who you're giving your life to as a Christ follower, it's going to sweep you up. Because everybody ends up somewhere, but intentional people end up somewhere on purpose. And he said, hey, look, guys, as we're journeying Jerusalem, let's get there on purpose. And we have a decision to make as well. And will we be consumed with preserving our lives, making ourselves comfortable? Americans in our culture, we're so good at this. Just make me comfortable, and if I get uncomfortable, I'm out. I've noticed that fear always invites us to follow the path of self-preservation. Boy, that's in our culture today. But we must continue to look well, a lot of times we're thinking, man, if I can look out for myself, as long as I'm covered, I'm all good, right? Or will we follow Jesus? And will we walk the way of love that he's given us and giving ourselves? And so we're seeing this through Peter's eyes. Peter is writing this, and Mark is like going, this is amazing as he's writing this down. Because you see, Peter and his, his, his guys, his group of fishermen, they have a decision to make. Hey, we can just go back to Galilee and fish our lives away, Right? We could go back to what we know, and we could pull fish out of the lake for the rest of our lives, and we could die alone in our beds, uh, erased to history forever, or we could live for Jesus and tell the story. It's why it's a story worth telling. Think about that. The decisions they made is why the story is worth telling. The decisions you make in your life is why your story is worth 
telling. You say, this is where I was before I met Jesus and the kingdom of God came near and I was all in and I cared less about my own personal being and I gave my life to Christ and I began to live on purpose. When the story of COVID-19 is just a story, and one of these days, let me tell you, it's going to be just a story. It might be a year, it might be two years, it might be five years, and we're going, man, remember 2020? And everybody go, yeah, right? Nobody's going to want to remember 2020. But how are we going to tell that story? Are we going to tell that story? You know what? When our country and everybody was fearing the most, that's when we trust Jesus the most. It's, it's important how you tell the story. And you see these, what I'm trying to get you to see and what I'm trying to get you to see at home is when we begin to look at these verses, these are lives being lived out. The gospel of Mark is Peter's story to say we live this day by day. Don't just let it to be a Bible story. Put yourself in the story. How are we going to tell this? How are we going to? So Peter and the guys and his followers, they decide to continue to follow Jesus towards Jerusalem. And they left that place and passed through Galilee. Again, you see they're going south. And verse 32, it says, and they were on their way up to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way. Now, when it says they're going up to Jerusalem, they're actually going south. But what it means is there's valleys. And when they come out of that valley, they're coming up and Jerusalem is built on a hilltop. So if you ever go to Jerusalem, you're going up to Jerusalem. And again, Jesus tells them what's ahead of them. Verse 32, he said, again, he took the disciples aside and told them. Look at all this foretelling. He's trying to prepare them. And he tells them what's going to happen to him. We're going up to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and they will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. I mean, he's just trying to, and they're just going, this is just like a drag. I thought we were going to go have fun, and you just keep bringing this up. And then something amazing happens, because Peter is constantly moving the story along, and the next thing he says, so Jesus has just put this out here, and then something amazing, look what two brothers do right here in verse 35, then James and John, Peter, James, and John, first three disciples, James and John are brothers. Jesus got a nickname for them. He calls them the sons of thunder, so... You can put whatever you want with that, but these guys were a little bit rowdy. And they came to him, and the next verse says, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. (laughs) And by the way, it's too bad about all that spitting and flogging and killing part. (laughs) We're sorry about that, but we got a favor, (laughs) and we need you to do something for us. And Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Let one of us sit on your right and the other on your left. What is he talking? Not, not, not right now. <laughs> In your glory. After all the spitting and the flogging, <laughs> after all the crosstalk, because we're going to kind of like back away when you go through all that. But when that's all done, we want authorities of, uh, or positions of authority. We want to be in good spots. And how about you just make us your right hand and your left hand? And Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking. Jesus is trying to tell them, guys, you still don't get it. You still don't get it. This is not the kingdom I'm talking about. I'm not that kind of king that you think you're following. And then a few verses later, when the rest of the disciples hear about this, it spreads quickly. 
The ten heard about this, and they became indignant with James and John. They were upset. This is not fair. Why were they so upset? Because they were the ones that wanted to be next to Jesus. Come on now. I mean, let's just be honest about this. Hey, 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 they can't be favorites. I thought I was your favorite. I thought I, thought I was your favorite. And an argument breaks out. Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? And Jesus had been covering this over and over and over. And I wish I could tell you how many times that I have to follow lessons and learn lessons over and over. And I learned it when I was 20. And I learned it when I was 30. And I learned it when I was 40. And Jesus keeps teaching me because I'm one that keeps forgetting. And he's like, guys, I got to tell you this. And he calls them together. And he says, let's have a seat. We're going to go back to 101. Gathers them around. And he tells them this. And this is so important. This is where we're we're really going to dive into this today. Verse 42, he said, you know those who regard, regarded as rulers of the Gentiles, lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. You know, this culture rules mercilessly for their own benefit. Public service had become self-service. <laughs> Remind you Anything? And their high officials exercise authority over them. What is he saying? He says, you know those in positions of authority, how they leverage their authority for their own benefit. That's the way of the world. You know how those with resources, those with influence, they'll leverage that resource and influence to gain even more resources and influences for themselves. This day is so much like our day. But Jesus says, you know that those are like that. And the, the apostles are going, yeah, yeah. That, that's why we want to be in good position. When you take over, we want to be those people. We want to be those people that have the leverage. We want to be those people that have the authority that we can. And Jesus says four words that I started with today that I want you to know are so important. He says this, not so with you. That's not how my administration will operate, is what he's saying. I'm not that kind of king. This is not that kind of kingdom. When it said, the kingdom of God has come near, I have come to reverse the order of things. And instead, whoever wants to become great among you must become a servant. And whoever wants to be first must become slave of all. And before they can object he reminds them, of, again, of how he's going to be treated. But he says this, for the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. This is what it's like in the kingdom, or what I like to call the kingdom of the great. You want to be great in God's kingdom? Don't make your way to the front of the line. Look for the back. I don't know about you, but I'm sick of public service that has become self-service. I'm tired of the way our culture is shaping out to be in this culture. So Jesus looks at his guys and said, any question? James, John, are you still in? Are you still in? Do you understand why now that it's not time to argue about right and left hand? We're on our way to Jerusalem. But it had to be so confusing to his followers he says, what, we, he's going to give his life? He's going to ransom his life? <laughs> Man, guys, maybe we should have stayed in Galilee. This doesn't look too good. And Peter 
keeps on with the story, and, and he leads them right up to the next encounter. Peter's always going on. In the next encounter, they come into Jericho, and as Jesus and the disciples together with the large crowd, they were leaving the city, and Jesus was, he's determined to make it to Jerusalem. Remember, he said, I'm going to Jerusalem. He doesn't let anything stop him. And as he's leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, was sitting alongside the road begging. And when he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. After all, Jesus, as an important rabbi, he's got important things to do. So many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And I can see as Peter's writing this down, having Mark write this down, he's like, we couldn't believe it. Jesus was so anxious to get to the city that what he did next just surprised us. Jesus stopped. What he's trying to do is illustrate what he's been teaching them all along. He's on his way to the most important appointment that Jesus had on this earth. And this is so convicting to me because I get so busy. I get too busy sometimes to be looking. But let me tell you what, Jesus stops. Sometimes following requires stopping. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And so they did. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. And then we read one of those lines that only Jesus could say. He says this, what do you want me to do for you? But I think he was probably looking at James and John. What do you want me to do for you? Uh, you think he wants to sit on the right or the left, guys? His need is obvious, right? And he says, Rabbi, I want to see. Well, that's a good thing to ask for to Jesus. Just to say, I want to see. Every morning, I need to wake up and say, Jesus, help me to see things more clearly. Help me to see things that you want me to see. Help me to stop listening to the noise and see the way you want me to see. Obedience is never a sacrifice. Obedience is always an instrument in the invisible kingdom just to follow, to say, I want to see. Go, Jesus says, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and he followed Jesus. He's one more in the caravan, one more that life has been changed, one more that doesn't want to go back to the way things were. He's looking and he's walking with Jesus to a date in Jerusalem, a date with destiny, a date that's going to be so difficult for the, everyone to understand. But I want to go back to those four, four words because we'll continue this message series, and we'll get to that, but those four words that Jesus said, not so with you. Jesus said, I know those with authority do because they can. They do things because they can, but he says, not so with you. Everyone is getting into the mud of the political fight what if Jesus is looking at you as a Christ follower and saying, you know, I see what's going on, but not so with you. People are posting divisive messages because they can. What if Jesus is saying, hey, hey, not so with you. People have used their, the current regulations and protocols as a license to absolutely throw a baby fit. I hate these masks. I hate having to be separated. I hate... That's just me. I'm not making fun of you. But, you know, but I think Jesus would go, hey, not so with you. 
What would our world look like? What would your world look like, your home, your workplace, your family, if you begin to live a not-so-with-you kind of Christian life? I know what everybody else is doing. I know what everybody else has a license to do. I know what everybody else can justify, but not so with you. Especially today in our current situation, we've got to come back to what Paul calls the law of Christ. And that is, what does love require of me? What would happen if we begin to leverage our power and resources? And you say, man, I don't know who you're talking to. I don't have power. I don't have resources. I beg to differ with you. You live in the United States of America. We all have power and resources like the world has never seen. But what if we leverage those to benefit the less powerful and those with fewer resources? This is another application, like I said, of the law of Christ, to love as we have been loved. And it starts with a simple question. The question that he asked Bartimaeus, Jesus, right in, the middle, right in the middle of the most important trip, and he's, he, he, he's, he's determined, and he's, he's focused on getting south to Jerusalem, and he stops right in the middle of all that, and he stops to ask somebody, what can I do for you? I don't know if you've noticed, but it seems like when the masks went on, everybody's walls went up. Have you noticed that? I go into the store, people won't look you in the eye. They're afraid you're going to get your cooties, you know? You got your mask on, everybody's just kind of busy, just let me get through this thing. And it just seems like the division between us and these walls and like, I got a mask on, so don't talk to me, don't touch me. People are nervous, people are apprehensive, they're on edge. Yes, people are rude. But Jesus said, not so with you. I know everybody's freaking out, but not so with you. Hey, we're all a part of an incredible country, the United States of America, but your citizenship is in a kingdom that lasts forever. When we tell the story of COVID, one of these days we're going to be telling the story in heaven. Hey, remember that? Look where we're at now. I'm sure glad it was not so with us. Not so with you. Why? We follow a teacher, another law, the law of Christ, where I go to people around me that might not believe like me, that might not be like me, but I'm still saying, how can I loan you my strength? How can I put my weight behind your need? How can I serve you when nobody else is serving? How can I worry about how you are feeling when everybody's consumed on their own, when we leverage our power, when we leverage our resources to benefit others because Jesus told his guys, hey, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Next week, we're going to celebrate communion together. We celebrate the night that Jesus took bread and broke it. It was his last supper. You think it would have been a coronation, a great going away party. You know what Jesus spent half the night doing? Washing feet. The one person in the room that should have been lifted up the most was on his knees serving others. He was illustrating what it is to live a not-so-with-you kind of a life. Jesus wants you to be kingdom great, and it's upside down, and it's a kingdom of serving with our lives and living on purpose, 
not first, but helping the last. Not trying to get as high as we can, but willing to go low to serve someone else. Not maybe on the right or the left, right next to the power, but willing to serve the least. To stop and ask, how can I pray for you? How can I help you? You want to freak somebody out in the grocery store? Don't get too close. Don't pull your mask down. But just say, man, I'd love to pray for you. And as they run away from you. No. But you know what? There might be people out there that be absolutely shocked that someone actually cares in this time, in this culture. I found myself so convicted this week that I want to be a not-so-with-you kind of follower. And I want to invite you to have that same conversation with Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you today for your word. I thank you that you cared enough to walk these roads that we walk literally and figuratively, God, that you've lived a life. There's nothing that we encounter that you haven't encountered. And as you live this with these men and women that followed you, and you continue to call them to greater things, and you continue to model what it meant to be a servant, not coming to be served, but to serve and give for others. God, thank you for that. But God, I pray in Jesus' name you would help each one of us, whether we're in this room today or we're online, we're watching on our phone, our laptop, and our TV, whatever, we would stop and say, what does it mean for me maybe to live a not-so-with-you kind of Christian life again? To get over myself and get over my mask and to realize that, man, I need to live with purpose. God, I pray in Jesus' name you would help this become real and true for us right now. You would help us to be willing, even though we're busy, even though we're focused, to be willing to stop and look to others and to be willing to let love require something more of us. Help us to be that kind of a church. Help me to be that kind of a leader. Help us to be those kind of people in our communities. In Jesus' name. You know, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, I just want to encourage you today. This would be an incredible time. Jesus is still inviting people to the kingdom. He's saying repent. That means to turn towards something new and great, and he wants to bring you into that kingdom. There's a host online right now, and you can connect with them, or that number that Pastor Clint shared with you, you can take that number and communicate with us. Right now, there's a connect card, and you can just let us know if we can pray for you, if we can stand with you, if we can help you take the next steps in your relationship with Christ. We want to do that. We want to stand. Allow us to do that because Jesus is close. His kingdom is near. Maybe he's closer than ever before, and I believe he's inviting us still. Come on. Let's take a journey together. I just want to encourage you today that uh, no matter what you're facing, that uh, we have teams that would love to pray with you. We want to stand with you. We want to help you through it today. Would you stand with me right now? We're uh, bringing back something that we always call the prayer wall. And uh, we've tried to be careful, prayerful, and very uh, cognizant of people's, people's safety. But we've got four tables here. If you have a prayer need today, there will be people standing behind these tables in a very safe place, but they still want to pray with you. And again, if you're watching online today, there is a way that that host can get you prayer from these teams to pray for you. If you just say, hey, I need prayer, if you fill out that Connect card, we want to be with you on that. So we just want to say... 
We want to pray with you. We want to connect with you. And just before you go, I want to say, until I see you again, I pray that God would bless you and keep you. I pray that God would turn his face towards you and shine his countenance on your life and that you would become a not-so-with-you-Jesus kind of person. God bless you as you go live the life today. Hey, guys, this is Pastor Dave. I just want to say thank you for joining us today for this podcast. You know, at Family Life Church, our vision is to create a safe, authentic environment where people connect with Jesus. And we don't believe it's an accident that you joined us today. You know, if this message meant something to you, we would love to hear from you. You can connect with us on our website at myflc.org. Or you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Family Life Church Newburgh. And I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and you can listen regularly. And I just want to say thank you and God bless your week.